Hey guys, just want to let you know this is the last watch that will be on the Channel 33 podcast feed. You can subscribe to the watch on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, anywhere you get podcasts. Uh, there will be a short teaser up on the Channel 33 feed of our Game of Thrones conversation. But if you want to hear the full episode, you're going to have to subscribe. So please subscribe to the watch on iTunes, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, wherever you get podcasts. And make sure you keep listening to Channel 33. A lot of cool stuff coming. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor and the only fan-friendly app for buying and selling sports and music tickets. Other sites have gone back to the same old tactic of showing you a lower price and then charging you huge fees at checkout. But at SeatGeek, the price you see is always the price you pay. With SeatGeek, there is no guesswork. You'll know exactly how much you're paying, where you're sitting, and whether or not you're getting a good deal, all right from your phone. So drop your old site and experience buying and selling tickets the way it should be. To start using SeatGeek, download the free SeatGeek app, or go to SeatGeek.com. I need support staff to clear the room. Stand up and walk now. Hello, and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I'm an editor for TheRinger.com, and joining me on the other line, come and see, it's Andy Greenwald! Hey! Oh! Hey! Look at us. I'm all, I'm all on fire, and I don't have any clothes on. <laughs> You know, it, it makes a difference. Do you, you know there are there are singers who who strip themselves bare in the vocal booth to get like a very intimate performance. And I've always assumed that when we're not in on the same coast, that's what you do. Like who does that? Like Dave Hollister? Uh, yeah, no, uh, Buster Poindexter. Um, <laughs> that's how he recorded the very Game of Thrones appropriate "Hot, Hot, Hot." No, uh, our uh, old pal Jenny Lewis told me that she recorded the Rilo Kylie song "I Never" in the in the buff. That's part of the Andy Greenwald podcast universe. That, that's a deep ref. <laughs> Don't you think there's some overlap in our podcast multiverse or no? We'll see. <laughs> look, I, I feel like that's a very good time to mention that there is now because the Andy Greenwald podcast has crashed onto the Watch podcast feed. Yeah. We, so we, it's just living uncomfortably under your arm. We've taken you on. <laughs> thanks, thanks, <laughs> boss. Uh, Andy, this is The Watch. Uh, my name is Chris Ryan. You are Andy Greenwald. We're here to talk about Game of Thrones, talk a little bit about Chance the Rapper's new tape, uh, yes. and maybe a little bit of Night Manager, a little bit of Lobster, a little bit of Steve Jobs. Andy, Airplay movies are in effect. It's a thing. I love Chris it. It's my board. favorite this... segment ever. <laughs> should we? Should I tell the listeners how you were like, when we were on set for After the Thrones last week, you were just low-key pitching your own kind of segments you could do like what on the show just to get a little burn <laughs> like what were my segments wasn't there one where you were just like what if i just told people about my emotional state like my moods or something wasn't that something you were saying chris's moods <laughs> chris's mood board by the way here's why airplane movies is definitely a thing because our boss at the ringer Andy, just because someone else a watches f- a movie on an airplane doesn't mean they're participating in your activity Chris, he tweeted it. <laughs> Lots of people watch movies on airplanes, but he tweeted it. He knows. He feels the movement. Look, I'm just saying he knows a good thing when he sees one. Uh, he's, a, he's a wise wise and sagacious businessman. He is. Um, shout out to Bill Simmons, who was great on, on The Watch last week. If you missed last week's episode, a lot of uh, prospective new co-hosts joined me. <laughs> <laughs> None of whom have ever watched or commented on a movie while flying in the air. Um, buddy, it's good to have you back. It's it's a shame we're not going to see each other this week, uh, but we will be adding a lot of podcasts to the feed this week. I think you've got one coming this week, an Andy Greenwald show, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and last week I spoke to our, our mutual idol, Colin Farrell. Yeah, a very good conversation very available on the watch feed. Interview. Nice job with that. Thanks, buddy. Um, let's talk a little bit about Game of Thrones. 
as you guys may know, yeah, should we say that that uh, our show is is out there yeah. again this week? Yeah, yeah. Before? Uh, a very a timely release tonight, last night at midnight Pacific time. You can catch After the Thrones on HBO Go now on demand, and then tonight. I think we might be on a little earlier tonight, aren't we? I, I don't know. I haven't checked my DVR, but we're on we're on the TV. Check tonight. local I know listings that. for and After the Thrones know. this evening. Um, and <clears> Andy, there, can, should we say that Chris that there was like the difference this week that I think that really really helped with the addition of three key elements. We had Mallory Rubin join us, of course, but we also had our maester Jason Concepcion in the house, mm-hmm. and we availed ourselves of some of some props, yeah, some swordplay. There was some swordplay. <laughs> Uh, Andy, any any lingering thoughts you wanted to share with the listeners about Game of Thrones? I mean, we we've certainly chatted it up a lot, but the TV show Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought you know we talked about it a lot on our show, but I was pretty interested in, as many people were, in that the final the final sequence, right when Daenerys, um, you know, uh, basically begins humming the disclosure hit from two years ago, <laughs> and the fire starts to burn and. And and all that happens, and everyone bows to her once again, and she has another God moment. And it was kind of it's kind of interesting because the way I've been watching this season has really been an attempt to appreciate the scale of it, because so many things. You know, we talked about this week as well on the show the reunion of Sansa and John in the beginning, and just how totally crazy that was because these are characters who whose relationship we know and we understand and we've rooted for, but they have not shared the screen since. Did we decide, did we figure out, was it since the very first episode? Yeah, I think or so. Or at least the first, certainly the first few. I think it's the first episode. And and so a, actually a five-year gap between them ever even sharing the screen. I mean, that's crazy. No show has ever done that. So I'm I'm trying to basically change the way I watch things, my expectations for them, because I feel like the show has been testing it constantly this year. And... You know, you see Daenerys have this incredible moment where she basically, she literally sets fire to the patriarchy, right? Um, This is a character who has had a very, very bumpy and rocky journey. And she was, you know, she's like many of the characters on the show has been physically brutalized and, and, and brought very low. And then suddenly is back on top again in this very dramatic way. And I wonder about our ability as viewers. And I'm going to, I'm going to take my answer off here. I want to hear what you have to say about this, but our ability as viewers to, to, differentiate things that um, need to happen for the story or things that we're tired of seeing happening or things that we want to happen, right? Because there was a lot of outcry. There has been a lot of outcry, some earned, maybe some not earned, about the treatment of female characters on the show. And I wonder if it's all been the slow arc towards what the female characters are doing on the show now. And if our ability to appreciate that was mitigated by how long it's taken to get there. You know what I mean? Our impatience to see something just happen. I'm and I feel not like going to get that, my hopes that's up going that, that that's what this is. Not that I think that the creators of the show are in any way trying to denigrate women, but just that I don't, I'm not, I'm not counting all my uh, everybody is in a good place eggs yet. Yeah, that's probably, that's probably fair. You have been watching the show, so you, you know that. But do you know what I mean? Like there's, there's another thing that I was noticing where like, this the the other really interesting scene to me from this episode from Book of the Stranger was the um, basically Tyrion's um, plea for for pragmatism in a very very um, I, I was about to say fiery place in Marine but I guess fiery fiery was more based to threat but basically that like yeah he did just tell two former slaves to like be patient and he's like this very very privileged non person who is not of color telling them that. 
is that like is that sort of thing problematic as a viewer or is that like the show knows that he's that he's very 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 much a privileged character saying these things and it, and it's kind of okay to live in that um i think it's like i think that right? you're supposed to think that or i don't you know i don't know what you're supposed to think but i i took from that scene that Tyrion's privilege in that situation allows him the perspective to make the kind of seven-year deal that he makes <clears throat> with the guys from right. Cyber's Bay, which is the kind of deal others wouldn't make because they would be blinded by a very just sense of vengeance, right? Right, and it doesn't delegitimize... I mean, we're talking about fictional characters here, but it, it doesn't delegitimize that that fury, that wound, that desire to, to right a wrong. No. Um, that he made that that he made that that deal but in fact i think it's sort of fascinating that that the show is pushing us into this place of uncomfortable compromise right like that like that is sort of this sounds ridiculous because i was actually going to invoke the wire and i i do not think these shows are that similar although sometimes they maybe 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 play with the same play on the same field a little bit but like there's there's no like what is the good answer in marine right like what's the what's the best possible scenario here yeah and i think also I i like the fact that it's Okay. No, you were alluding to the idea of John and Sansa getting back to like reuniting and this emotional moment and probably, and I know you talked about this on the show, but it's just like the idea that the that Game of Thrones does something that very few shows have ever done, which is actually give you, it actually is time lapse. I mean, you've been watching this, these people grow up, you've been watching them go on these divergent paths and now they've crisscrossed again and because you were so aware of where these people are geographically and emotionally and in their, in their hero's journeys, like to see them cross back over again is so meaningful. And I also thought about all the, how unique the show is in terms of its prehistory. So Mm -hmm. the idea that even if we've only ever seen Sansa and John together, like once before this, there's like an entire, there are reams of, Sansa and John interactions, I'm sure, in the books that we don't know, like, you know what I mean, that that lead up to that. And so how meaningful it is for people to see that if they've been book readers, too, that that's particularly right. that's really interesting. And just every everything that happens on this show with the alliances and the the betrayals, having this sort of historical precedent in the books is, is kind of fascinating to watch it play out, even if you're not a book reader. Yeah, there's. Yeah, because I mean, <laughs> we don't even need to say anymore that we're not book readers, right? There's. I, I just think that the, the, the I mean, what you're saying gets back to what to what I my original point before I got sidetracked in Marine, like many many empires have tended to do, I guess, which is just like I don't think I still I know I said this a few weeks ago, but I feel like we are not adjusted in terms of how we accept and enjoy story. We're not adjusted to this this just the sheer magnitude of it. You know, I I think that if, if we're watching it with eyes that are used to binge watching a show or a limited series or a show that you know has like empire which has basically done the same amount of plot of all the game of thrones novels in two seasons um that you know there's there's so much still to work out and yeah you know and and i think what maybe what you're hinting at has gotten us this far you're hinting at something too that's that i've been thinking about which is that game of thrones has kind of turned into a a a chamber piece like it's it's basic it's it's very it's a very interior two-hander conversations show right now and you think about anything from i don't know i mean you even think about something like fargo that has so much and then this happens and then this happens and people are moving Mm -hmm. from location to location i mean think about how many it's a very philosophical show right now a lot of these conversations are about worldview and 
Mm -hmm. uh, the nature of pretty big questions like justice or how to live a, a just or right life. You know, you think about all the Sparrow scenes, you think about all these scenes that Tyrion's mm -hmm. been having in these different different rooms. Um, even think about like what Daenerys was talking about with the cows before she left with them all on fire. These are pretty like significant questions. So it's not surprising to me that you, it's not surprising to me that even though it's about quote unquote tits and dragons, according to Ian McShane, it winds up <laughs> causing this kind of debate because a lot of what like 75% of the show is conversations about these topics. Yeah, and you know what? I'm also realizing that what we're doing is we're we're kind of circling back to the, the the conversation we had about TV two weeks ago, just in terms of how we're still sorting out how to how to process it. Because as much as I'm trying to investigate or even artic articulate this argument that the expanse of the show is challenging the ways that I that I that I process it, because I I'm trying to be patient in a way I'm not usually patient. I am also a great defender in the, the episode as a standalone art form. And so what's interesting to me about the show is that it's proving that events that that happened in season one, season two, season four, that, you know, maybe in my recaps I took issue with, we're not we're not institutionally forgotten, you know, and we'll have some significance um, later down the line. Like the issue I, I will I will begin to have much more serious issues, quote unquote, with with Ramsey's behavior. <laughs> If they just continue to pile up unanswered for well, he well, he, well, you know, he sits in Winterfell. Like there needs to be some engagement, but the thing is, the show has taught us that there will be engagement and reckoning and whatever that means. Can I ask you a quick um, question? But 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 no, but just but just to say, like, as someone who believes in the episode as a standalone thing, I I, I should be, I'm realizing I should be more um, in tune with the idea that if something happened in episode season four, episode three, then that happened in episode four, season three, and there's a worthwhile discussion around that episode that is doesn't need to take into effect into consideration season seven, you know, however many years in the future. Oh yeah. I had a Ramsey question, but you know, but yeah, bring it, bring it, bring, I, I love talking about Ramsey. That was the same. Great character. He stabbed Osho with the same knife. He kept peeling fruit with, right? Do you feel like that was cross, cross contamination? <laughs> like, that's not the grossest are, thing. Are you asking if that's kosher? <laughs> Ask a Jewish you, did you want me, Do you want me to, to weigh, do you want me to get a rabbinical study to weigh in on that? Yeah, can, can you go bless Ramsey's paring knife? I mean, I please no. Tell me where you were going with this question. I have no idea. I have no idea. I just thought it was just, really interesting. You do, do you feel like he should have had a secondary neck stabbing knife? Well, just that, like I thought that he pulled. He I thought she went for the paring knife, and he had a secret knife. And then I was like, "But did he go back to the paring knife, or did he use the neck knife to go to go to the pair? It was just like a real sleight of hand. And if so, oh, like was he? I, I don't know. It just says a lot about him. It says a lot about him. <laughs> well, he has two. There's a, well, okay. To be clear, there are two knives in the scene. <laughs> one for meat and one for dairy. Okay, that's how that's how kosher law is basically followed. So your question, the thing that is troubling you most this at this point in season six, and I just want to be clear. You can tell me if I'm misreading you here. <laughs> is that after Osha reaches for the the fruit knife? Yeah. And Ramsey kills her with the killing knife. Yeah. He resumes the fruit eating with the killing knife. Yeah, that seemed weird. So what he you're had already started the job continuity? with a different knife. Are you Emily Post? Are you worried about where the soup spoon is next to the corpse? That seemed like a lovely small plate setup he had out there. Like somebody came out with some love, like an olives and a charcuterie. The charcuterie was probably oh, made of other people. And then mm -hmm. he was like messing up the knives. And I hate that. You've seen me 
we've been at gatherings in which cheese is shared. And I, I do think yeah. that you should, some people don't like goat cheese. You know what I mean? Some people only like sharp cheddars. Some people love a brie, but you got to keep the knives separate. I feel like cheese, ch- cheeses should be separate. Do you know what like a real legit pet peeve of mine is? Yeah. If we're really talking about this, is like you lay out a nice, like a harder cheese. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, like yeah. A, yeah, like it's like a cheddar or like a gouda or something. Uh, like a, gouda with like some a, caramelized a, a crystals in it, yeah. Oh, exactly. You get that little crunchy, right. So, and you put out with it intentionally one of them, one of them cheese scrapers to like run along the top. Yeah. So, so you like, like you get the nice, nice thin of, and you can lay that on a salami. Or the flat surface, you know, that maximizes the sort of crunchy crystal feeling, you know, and then some, Wait, some, let's just call them what they're like, some, some wildling, some animal, <laughs> some brute comes to your party, takes the cheese scraper and just starts hacking at the cheese as if that was just some sort of common OSHA stabbing knife. You know what I mean? And taking chunks of the cheese you were recommending to scrape. Yeah. Like, that's that's where my head is at right now in this conversation. Either way, Ramsey. Is, did our podcast just an- get canceled <laughs> while I was saying that? Like, is, was that the end? Um, okay, so did you have anything else you wanted to say about Thrones before we move on? I was really hoping you were going to say cheese. I got to be honest with you. Um, yeah, yeah the, one other, the one other thing that I thought was kind of interesting about this week's episode that we we didn't get to on after the thrones was um the previous week in in three right you and i were both like remarking on how fast things were moving mm-hmm. and i think that's definitely the case yeah of this that season it felt Jen, like Jason there had been I. like a, a they, they, they had turned a corner and that there was like a decline going not a decline in quality but like they were picking up speed yeah Right. And what you know, and we both and the, the thing that was really striking was like John appeared to peace out of the Night's Watch completely, you know, and he, and he gave his game worn life dead jersey to, to Ed. Right. And similarly, Arya just sort of um, had a training montage and seemed to basically level up. Wait, we got to of... talk about how fucking funny it is that John is like, my Night's Watch is ended or my watch is ended or whatever. And he's like deuces. And then he just goes into another room at Castle Black. It's like, that's, that's your big exit, dog? You just went into another room? <laughs> this is the, that's exactly the point I'm making. And that was really, well, it's very funny, but it was also very interesting in the same way that Arya was still there, um, or still there, basically. So the thing that, that, that I find really interesting about this is... That's like getting in a fight with your wife and then not being able to find your keys so you can't storm out. She's like, I'm going in this other room. You think about what you've done. Get it. Just to be clear... The fight is over cheese, right? Yeah. And like how the, fight is, how the cheese has just been sliced. Yeah, the fight is over using the, the neck stabber with for, for, your, for your peeling of fruit. <laughs> the, the body on the floor notwithstanding. But so I thought that was kind of an interesting... The revelation, especially that John is just still there, you know, making soup jokes with Sansa in the same place that he stormed out of, I thought was kind of interesting in an episode that um, really was about Tyrion trying to clean up a mess you know yeah. because basically Daenerys only makes drop the mic moments that's what I was saying that's what I was saying after the, the thrones the rondo moments right and so and so the fact that like there was this sort of amazing almost it's not satire but it's like there's where is there to go how, how do these people actually live when they're not fighting or burning people like you have to the rest of life happens in these middle moments and it was kind of interesting the way for all you know for as much as we want characters to to go storming out of places where do they go they're stuck yeah and the show is as much about that as as anything else and that is a dramatically tougher sell but i thought it was pretty clever the way it was presented this week 
If you want to hear the rest of this episode, including our takes on Chance the Rapper and the possibility that Tom Hiddleston could be the new James Bond, please subscribe to The Watch Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, or wherever else you can get podcasts. We'll be right back. 